Today is Wednesday, November the 8th, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. An armed man was arrested by U.S. Capitol Police outside of the Capitol building on Tuesday. The 21-year-old man had an AR-15 rifle while he was in the park across from Union Station. The man has since been identified as Amir LaVon Merrill. Police are now saying that they've not found a particular motive or target that Merrill might have had in showing up with a gun. Merrill is from Georgia and is also on the registered sex offender list. U.S. Capitol Police also had to deal with a suspicious package that was found in the parking lot closest to the U.S. Senate. That package was located and an all-clear sign given by Tuesday afternoon. All the police drama did not slow down the Senate Democrats from rejecting a bill from Republicans that would have sent emergency aid money to Israel. The bill originated from the U.S. House and House Speaker Mike Johnson, who refused to attach funding for any other country to the Israel package. Senate Democrats objected to not sending more money to the country of Ukraine, above and beyond what's already been sent in the past year and a half. Democrats also objected to paying for the Israeli aid package by way of cutting spending within the IRS rather than borrowing more money from China. The House bill would have sent $14 billion to the country of Israel as they respond to the terrorist attacks from Hamas that occurred on October 7th. Over in the U.S. House, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, has released a bombshell 100-page report on the weaponization of government to censor and silence Americans who are not following the preordained narrative. In the days ahead, I'm going to conduct a breakdown and summary of this report, and I'll start out by paraphrasing what was written in the opening statements of the Judiciary Committee. They start by saying that in 2016, when Donald Trump became president, there was a newfound desire from those on the left and within leftist quarters to crack down on the power of social media to inform readers and to sway opinion. Apparently, they thought it played a big part in Trump's presidential victory. As a result, there were numerous think tanks and task forces that were created, and they all operated under the guise of tackling foreign influence and misinformation on U.S. elections. However, the Judiciary Committee says this quickly mutated into domestic influences, which is a more sanitized way of saying that Americans and their free speech were placed in the crosshairs of those on the left who didn't like losing their influence through the mainstream media and those within the government agencies who did not approve of Trump as president, nor did they value the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. So here are the key players in this report going forward. The EIP, which stands for Election Integrity Partnership. This is a group of academics that have been tapped by Stanford University. The governing agency over the EIP is the SIO. That stands for Stanford Internet Observatory. The SIO work directly with the Department of Homeland Security, as well as other federal agencies that are housed within the U.S. State Department. Now, another agency that played a part as a frontman for the FBI is CISA. That's the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. All of these groups are named in this report as the founding agencies in what would be labeled by the Judiciary Committee as an emerging censorship industrial complex. More to come on this tomorrow. Depending on where you get your media reports regarding the New York City trial that's going on that involves Donald Trump, New York Attorney General Letitia James, and Judge Arthur Engeron, you may have some very conflicting ideas of what went on in the courtroom in the past few days. Some media outlets claim that Trump is wild and out of control and refusing to stop talking and angry, while other reports blame the biased judge and New York Attorney General Letitia James for seeking to pin fraud charges on Trump in an area that they know nothing about, which is real estate valuations. 
Here's a conversation between Trump lawyer Alina Habba and Fox News host Larry Kudlow, who, in the interest of full disclosure, is a former member of the Trump administration. Kudlow cuts right to the chase to find out who is the one acting out of control, according to Habba, the lawyer. Is Donald Trump being rude? Is he yelling? Or is he just trying to get his, let's say, two cents in that this uh, judge won't let? Honestly, none of the above. What would happen was they would show him two paragraphs on the screen. They would say, "Okay, here's two paragraphs on the screen. Mr. President, did you certify to this? And he would say, well, the two paragraphs discuss insurance. They discuss value and they discuss how I can rent certain property, 40 Wall Street, for instance. Uh, Let me explain. First, let me hit the value. First, let me hit the insurance. Let me hit this. Let me hit that. And he would go into explaining to them that Mm -hmm. maybe you have a loan document that says that I have to have a a, a net worth of $50 million. Basic. Okay. But there's certain provisions there with step downs and things like that. It's not that simple. If I have to be absolutely honest with you, Larry, I think that they really should have thought about the legal team questioning. Somebody who is a real estate tycoon, a real estate mogul is going to go down as one of the greats. Spend his whole life. They don't get it. And they're trying to attack and criticize somebody. You better be an expert. He's trying. See, look, as somebody who knows him rather well, he's trying to explain what I'm going to call the science of real estate. That's right. The accounting of real estate, the economics of real estate. Okay, And he knows it very well. You might disagree with some of it, but he knows it very well. And this judge, as I understand it, will not let him finish these paragraphs. In another case involving a judge in the Southern District of Florida, Judge Roy Altman has dismissed a lawsuit that was brought against the governor of that state, Ron DeSantis. The lawsuit is in regards to a law that prohibits biological males from competing in women's sports programs. The Fairness in Women's Sports Act was signed into law by DeSantis in 2021. The Human Rights Campaign then sought to challenge the law using the Education Amendment within the 14th Amendment as their argument. The judge ruled that the law does not violate Title IX or demean transgender persons by implementing regulations with carve-outs for sex-separated sports. These natural story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. The Epic Times has written recently about the Georgia trial that is ongoing between True the Vote and Fair Fight et al. The Epic Times reported on the testimony that was given by True the Vote founder Catherine Engelbrick, as well as several of the other defendants in this case. Those defendants are Georgia residents who worked with True the Vote in 2020 to challenge unqualified names on the Georgia voter rolls. Fair Fight is a group that is led by Stacey Abrams and claims that any challenge to the validity of names on the voter rolls was a form of voter suppression and violation of voting rights. Fair Fight's ultimate goal is to remove True the Vote from the equation of challenging voter rolls in that state. In the three-hour testimony that was delivered by Engelbrecht, as reported by the Epic Times, she details the efforts to follow the state law exactly and employ the use of private lawyers as well as state officials to do so. Some of the co-defendants in this case are very familiar with the processes that are needed and utilized in elections in Georgia, such as voting databases that are cross-referenced with postal service change of address databases. Engelbrecht also revealed how over time, True the Vote organization has determined that many of the 
election problems revolve around bad data within voter rolls, which is exactly what the organization found in Georgia following the 2020 presidential election. They did so by cross-referencing the change of address data with voter rolls of 7.7 million voters in Georgia and found 364,000 questionable names. True the Vote sought to make residents and election volunteers aware of these discrepancies in order for them to challenge them according to state law. That's where Stacey Abrams and Fair Fight objected and then claimed it was voter suppression. Interestingly enough, the Epic Times did speak with one of the defense lawyers, Michael Wynn, and they asked him about the plaintiff's claims, to which Wynn replied that Fair Fight is the organization who is intimidating voters. Catherine Engelbrook can be followed on Truth Social at True the Vote Handle and on Twitter at True the Vote Handle. If you want to watch for any more postings coming regarding this Georgia case, the trial should be wrapping up this week or at the very beginning of next. Here is the third part of an interview that was conducted by Truth in Media and journalist Laura Logan when it comes to the events on January 6, 2021 and the mysterious Ray Epps. In the two prior episodes of The Daily Inc., Tim Jirney, who is a podcaster and live streamer and also goes by the name Baked Alaska, detailed how he first met Ray Epps on January 5th in the downtown D.C. area where there was a crowd of Trump supporters clashing with Antifa late at night. Jirney then revealed how Epps was caught on tape more than once saying the same phrase over about how Trump supporters needed to go into the Capitol building the next day. Throughout the whole night, Journey was very suspect of Epps as being something more than an out-of-state Trump supporter, and he can be heard on the tape telling others in the crowd what he thought. No, no, he, he's definitely a plan, 100%. Any sort of interaction we have, this this fucking guy comes in, he's like, and has some fucking thing to say We're the to only divide reasonable. us. Journey then goes on to tell Laura Logan about what Epps said to him later on that night in a private moment, in what seemed to be almost a subconscious admission of an ulterior plan. Here, Epps took a different tone with Baked Alaska. I despise BMO. There we go. BMO. There we go. I despise Antifa. I've there stood him down myself with Good. three army vets. I respect in that. Queen Creek, Arizona. We, that's where, that's where I live. Uh, Are you my neighbor? I swear. Uh, I live in Queen Creek. I'm going to choke you, man. Wait, that, this guy's you antagonizing me, man? Maybe it's because you're my neighbor. Where you at? Then he leaned in and whispered something he apparently did not want to say out loud. We're not here to fight, man. We're here to, we're here to storm. <laughs> we're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have, have a good night. Be safe. Be safe, brother. That one moment changed what we knew about Ray Epps that night when he whispered storm the Capitol before it had happened and echoed the official narrative before it was broadcast across the nation. Of supporters of President Trump stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Thousands storming the Capitol. This mob that stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Stormed the United States Capitol. We ran it through forensic software that technical investigators use for analyzing audio and video to make sure we heard correctly and it had not been altered. We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. In tomorrow's report, we'll feature the wrap up of this segment from Laura Logan and Truth and Media, as well as touch on what can be found within the testimony delivered by Ray Epps under oath to the House Select Committee on January 6th. That document can be found at Open Inc. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update. 
Thank you.